This morning, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. I don't want to read to you a very familiar account of Scripture. Uh, hopefully, you're a student of Scripture, and most all of it is uh, familiar to you. But this morning, it's uh, it's uh, one of those that, uh, and we're going to go into Matthew 25, that, that we've probably heard preached dozens of times, and you've probably heard it preached better than you may hear it preached this morning. But the other, the other day, I was in here praying, and the Lord just really began to impress this portion, or these portions of Scripture upon my heart. And I, I, I just pray that the Lord will anoint me to do justice to what He would have me bring in this service this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn there to, to Matthew chapter 24. We find that the Scripture says, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I hope you know what Jesus is referring to there. He's, he's referring to uh, that second appearing of the Lord. And so, if you've got somebody that tells you they know when the Lord's coming back, the only person that I've ever heard state this is R.W. Shambach. Some of you remember the old preacher R.W. Shambach. Shambach says, I can tell you exactly when the Lord's coming back. He's coming back on the day of the Lord in an hour that you think not. So if somebody has told you October 18th, they probably are going to be wrong. Possibly not, but probably are. You know, through the years, and I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit this morning, we've heard a lot of people say that they knew when Jesus was coming. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't know. But I am here to tell you that He is coming. But no one knows the day or there, not the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. As it is in the days of, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Let me pause right there and let me interject this thought to you. What is this described? Sometimes we take that verse of scripture and we, we completely blow it out of proportion. What, what was happening in the days of Noah is those people, yes, they were, they were engaged in riotous living. We know that. But, but on the other hand, when we look at this scripture, we can just look at this scripture and find that society as such in the days leading up to what Jesus is speaking about here, people are just living their life, doing their thing at their speed, what they want to do. Okay? And that's exactly what we're doing right now. So it was in the days of Noah, people uh, were drinking, marrying, giving in marriage up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Now why was that be? Bless God, this guy had been preaching 120 years. Why wasn't anybody, why didn't anybody know about it? Simple conclusion. Somebody wasn't listening. Somebody wasn't listening. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in, in the work of the Lord. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the world as we say. I'm not talking about those that are not saved necessarily here. I'm talking about even inside of the church. I used to pray quite often. I'd say, Lord, I want you to speak to old so-and-so. I want you to speak to... This guy, or I want you to speak to this lady. I want you to speak to this person. 
But you know what? I, I come to, I received a revelation. I believe it's a revelation anyway from the Lord one day. The, the Holy Spirit pressed upon me. He said, I'm speaking. He said, the problem is people are not listening. So Noah, God was speaking through Noah, but people were failing to hear. The Lord goes on to say, now, now that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I want you to flip over just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, and there, there is a division in time that occurs in Matthew 24 and into Matthew 25, and that's not what necessarily I'm delving into this morning. But in Matthew 25, the continuation of, of what Jesus is instructing, we see that he, he gives here a parable. And he says, at the time, uh, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight... The cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then they all, then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell and Buy, sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in to, went in, went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. I want to preach to you this morning, if you would, a message that I've entitled, A Wedding and Weeds. A Wedding and Weeds. Now, to have a greater understanding of what Jesus is giving in his parable this morning, we have to have a better understanding of a first century Jewish wedding. A first century Jewish wedding is much different than, uh, and an Eastern wedding is much different than weddings that we have here in the West. Now, those of you in this room, you ladies that maybe you've been married or maybe you've witted, you may be in this room and been married and divorced, but it's always the, the central focus in our society and our custom is built around the bride. You know, the groom just basically shows up. The bride's the one that gets the expensive dress. And all of the attention is given over to the brides. The bridesmaids look all lovely and all, all gracious. But when we begin to compare that to this first century Jewish wedding that Jesus is relating to, what we find in this first century Jewish wedding is there were several rituals that were much different than we have in this day and time. First, you find in the Jewish wedding that there was a formal engagement or a betrothal period. That's the period of promise. We call that an engagement. 
you know, when somebody's given an engagement ring and uh, you, so many of you know I'm a fan of Mayberry RFD and it's like Barney gives Lou Ann the ring, but five years later, him and Lou Ann still not married. Yeah, it's a courtship period. Some of you may have got married quick. Some of you may have, you may have met that little woman or you may have met that big old husky fella and you may have got engaged, dated three or four times, got engaged and just went ahead and got married. Others of you, I had an aunt that's now, bless her heart, that's passed away. She and, she and I claimed him as an uncle, but legally he wasn't my uncle. He, she and her fella, they went steady for 52 years and never got married. He lived in his house, 20 miles away. She lived in her house. He came and mowed her yard. He came and cooked for her on the weekends. He washed dishes. He put an apron on. He did anything she wanted to. He treated her like a queen. 52 years. But they never married. You see, courtship is that, whether it's a, a short period of time or it's a lengthy period of time, it's that time of getting to know one another time. But in this Jewish wedding, it's a time of waiting. The second thing that happens is uh, it, it, that wait is, is possibly up to a year or more before the fir- formal ceremony would come. When that so- formal ceremony come, the ceremony would always take place at the bride's house. Can somebody say hello? You see, the ceremony that the ceremony that's about to take place, the wedding that is about to occur, it's going to take place at the bride's house. Guess where we're at? And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about us as the church. You see, us as the church, we are uh, in the bride's house, if you would. When we made a decision to surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, whether it was 52 years ago or maybe it was just a few days ago, you know, I'm, I'm amazed over in Marion, Virginia, they, they, uh, night before last, they closed the last night, I think it was four weeks, maybe a little bit more of that, of a, of a community tent meeting, interdenominational, and, uh, the report that I received was close to 500 souls saved in that length of time. Tremendous, tremendous cultural and and, uh, and uh, denominational bonds broken down, racial bonds destroyed and put aside, and people were saying, "Man, that's doing church." But no longer, no matter how long you've been saved, you may have been saved a long, long time. I look, Miss Eunice is our oldest one in the church now, and Miss Eunice has been saved a long time. But no matter if it's one day, or if it's as long as Eunice has been waiting, you're waiting and you're patiently at the bride's house, waiting for the groom to show up. You see, the tradition would have it that the groom would appear unannounced. Just in the there wouldn't be a planned date. You know, I remember last year when Heath and, and Madison were, were getting ready to get married and, and they had this date all planned and then, then all of a sudden COVID hit and they couldn't get rings and they couldn't get wedding dresses and they were getting all panicky and all worried, weren't you? You were getting nervous. But, but the situation being, they had set a date. 
They knew a specific day, a specific time, at a specific place. And then after they got the dress, and then after they got the rings, a big old storm system come through, and the whole place got flooded. But they had a date. And they had a time and they, this has got to happen. This is the date and this is the time. Listen, in the Jewish wedding, they didn't know the exact date. They didn't know the exact time. They just knew that they had to wait for the surprise entry of the groom to come. And the important responsibility was to be ready for the groom when he showed up unannounced. And it was... Part of the tradition, if you would, part of the festivities was that the the groom, the bridegroom, would take everyone by surprise. You know, I've been I've been a Christian a long time myself. Now, I uh, you know, not that I'm getting old, but I've I've been a Christian for quite a few years now, and and, and I and and even before I got saved, I've been hearing about Jesus is coming, and and my mom used to live listen to an old group called the Inspirations, and the, she listened to that song, Jesus is coming soon, every any morning, night or noon. Madison knows it; she's singing it. If she was, if she was in Virginia, she would be singing it. But since she's in West Virginia, she's singing it. And I've been hearing about Jesus coming soon practically all of my, my life, at least from the time I began to be taken to church by an aunt and uncle. I, 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 I believe that he is coming soon, but sometimes we forget. Many years ago, I, uh, when I, back when I did body work and I, I had my shop and John, John and Millie, they know where I used to live and I had this big shop in the backyard and, and, and I, I've painted cars and, and did auto body repair for other people and, and I've always fooled, if it's got a motor and a wheels on it, I love it. I'll ride it. I like listening to it. You know, cut the mufflers off, open headers. I, that's me. I dislike that kind of stuff. And, and, and I started building this 1940 Oldsmobile street rod. It ended up being bright yellow with purple flames and purple interior, by the way. It was a beast. You remember, do you remember ever seeing that, John? It took me... Set, Eddie Blankenship's picked out the colors for me. It took me seven years. My late wife... Took me seven years to build that car. My late wife, she got tired of me being out in the garage. I'd get done working on somebody else's and then I'd work on mine. It's one day she said to me, she said, Jesus is going to come back before you ever get that car done. And I just, in a knee-jerk response, I said, no, he's not. Because, see, I was thinking about when I would get my work done. I wasn't... And she, she looked at me. She said, what did you just say? I said, I, I said, I did say that, didn't I? I said, no, he's not. And, and, and granted, I, I, I finished that car and I, it's been long since sold. Last I knew of it, it was headed down towards Florida. Somebody had bought it up. But, but the reality of it is, I, are we really anticipating the surprise entry of the bridegroom? Even us as believers. Now, we say we are, but are we really expecting? You see, the 
these uh, ten bridesmaids, the virgins as if you would, these were hand-picked maidens. These weren't necessarily what, well, sometimes we think this is who the groom is coming to, to marry. Well, listen, uh, uh, Jesus only has one bride and that is the church. But these, these are bridesmaids. These are virgins. And these bridesmaids have specific uh, chores and specific tasks. They're to be there waiting for the bridegroom to come. And they're be, to be there helping the bride prepare for the surprise entry of the bridegroom. The third part that happens is the banquet feast. The bridegroom shows up. When the bridegroom shows up at the bride's house, then the bridegroom and the bride begin to make their way down the street to the wedding feast, wherever that may be. Now, the responsibility of these bridesmaids, these virgins, these ten virgins, and five were wise and five were foolish, their responsibility was to light the way for the bridegroom and the bride to get to the wedding banquet. You see, the church has a responsibility. The church has a responsibility to be the light of the world. The bridegroom would retrieve his patiently awaiting bride. They would walk down the street together to this festival, an elaborate affair, the social event like nobody else had seen. Friends are anxious to attend. And as the bride and the groom travel down their way, the bridesmaid will take part in this welcoming ceremony by holding lamps. Lamps that are lit. Lamps that are glowing. So for the wedding party to be standing by and ready to welcome the groom and his bride was of major importance. I want you to know it is of major importance that us, those of us in this room, those of you watching or listening, it is major importance that us as the church, that we realize that we have the responsibility of bearing the light in a dark world for a bridegroom that is about to make a surprise arrival to get his bride and we're to be holding the lamps and they need to be ready to burn and illuminated and we have an integral part to play into the second coming, the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't discount the importance of the church in the age that we're living in because we have an awesome responsibility and to do anything less these bridesmaids would be showing disregard to the groom they would have been showing disregard to the bride it was such an honor for them to be asked to serve in this capacity it was such an honor for them to receive their lamps and the oil and the wick that goes in the lamps what an honor it was but what an embarrassment to behold when half of them weren't ready to carry forth their responsibility. Wow. So what this parable illustrates when we begin to dissect it and look at it, the maidens all had the same qualifications. They were all virgins, which means they were all pure. They, 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 they may not facially look the same, but, but all of these, whatever the qualifying means were, all ten of these virgins were hand-picked. 
Okay, it, this wasn't whoever showed up and volunteered on the day of the event. These these were handpicked in advance. Do you realize Jesus picked us before the foundations of the earth? Do you realize He has handpicked you and me to be His church? Do you realize that that He has given us all the same qualifications? I've got as much qualifications in the kingdom of heaven as Billy Graham or John Jenkins. And and, and you've got as much qualifications as I I have. And, and, And we are all qualified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that secondly, that all of these bridesmaids had the same purpose? They all were appointed to the same responsibility. Responsibility. They had the same task. They were to abide in the presence of the bride, which is the church. And they were to be prepared when the moment comes. Do you realize that's what God has called every one of us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ to do? He has called us to be prepared and ready for the such a time as when the announcement is made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh and we're holding the lamp. I believe that as we look around us, that, that common sense and whatever biblical knowledge that you or I may have will let us know that the, it's getting near every single day at the coming of the Lord. Are we prepared? Are we doing our part? Are we filling the role uh, of being good, good bridesmaids, if you would? Are we slacking is the question. They all had the same purpose. They all, in fact, as tradition would hold it, they all had on the same garment. You ever notice how, I don't know, probably not necessarily as much as it used to be, but do you remember those weddings where the bride wore a special dress, but in all of the wedding, the bride's court, her wedding party, remember how they would all have matching dresses, even in our Western culture? You see, it was even, it was even more so prominent in this first century Jewish church. This first century Jewish wedding, if you would. That they, they were, they were more than likely all dressed alike. They all were given lamps. They all had access, had the same access to the oil. And they all had the responsibilities of staying awake and keeping their lamps trimmed. So they all were the same, but yet they all had differences. Because As we begin to look at them, they all slumbered and slept. Out of these ten, we can't, we can't point fingers at at the five that didn't have oil and say, well, it was because they slept because all of them slept. You know what, I'm a firm believer as much as I love the church and I believe that the church will overcome and I, I believe I believe the church has already overcome. I also know that in the scripture it speaks of a time and in the last days there shall be a great falling away. And then we try to excuse that with that these people just not getting saved anymore. I don't believe that. I believe it's because the church has went to sleep and is slumbering. And while the church slumbers and sleeps, the bridegroom is going to come. But the difference is found not necessarily in the slumbering and the sleeping. But when we begin to look, five in their role had empty lamps. Their lamps were nearly out of oil. Their lamps were nearly exhausted. The announcements were made. They all were asleep and they all were waking up at the same time. They awoke from their sleep. But the difference was all of them had to trim their lamps. 
The five had no oil. You see, the oil in, in Scripture, remarkably oil throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, is, is symbolic of, of the working of the Spirit. And while they had a, there was a little bit of oil there, they didn't have enough oil to sustain the commission that was set before them. So while they had to go and try to retrieve oil, the bridegroom came and the wedding party made its journey to the wedding feast. And those five were left behind. You say, preacher, now are you, are you saying if I'm saved, I'm not going into rapture? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying to you is, you know, we used to sing that old song, uh, the found, actually the founder of this church, uh, that has it exists now, oh, uh, Irving Smith, he and his brother Walter used to sing a song that they wrote together many years ago, and that song said, uh, that song, keep my lamp burning bright, and it has another part of the lyrics in it says, keep my wick trimmed and burning. You see, it's, it's time for the church and I'm part of it just the same as you are. It's a time that we realize, even amidst sleeping and slumbering that is going on, we need to make sure that our lamps are filled with oil, that the Holy Spirit is working, that the Holy Spirit is infilling our lives, that the Holy Spirit is infilling everything that we do, because the surprise is about to come. And when the surprise comes, there's not going to be time for us to react and go out and get all, but we must react and we react quickly. Preacher, do you think people that are in the church are going to be left when Jesus comes? Yes, I do. Why do you think that? There's a term that's used in church growth uh, currently and over the recent years, and it's called cultural Christianity. One of the reasons it's believed by experts that we've seen a decline and, and church in, in the West, in the Western Hemisphere, church across the board has declined. And we don't like to talk about that much because it sounds negative. Uh, and listen, that does not hinder God. It does not speak evil of God. It does not say that God's, uh, you know, ha- has lost his influence. But what we're seeing is uh, 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 two generations ago, people went to church because it was the right thing to do. People went to church because if you were going to be an upstanding citizen in the community, you went to church. That was cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity, I went to church, but I really didn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I told you all I like cars. And I, Sarah and I, we don't, we don't have a, we, we got a little attached garage to our house and, and, and that's where I keep my Ford. I have one Ford. It does have a Chevrolet motor in it, just for clarification. But I could pull, I could pull Gertrude, that's our old Ford. I could pull Gertrude out of the garage and I could go stand in that garage and I could say, I'm a Volkswagen, I'm a Volkswagen, I'm a Volkswagen. I'm pulling in my, I'm, I'm going in that garage every day and sitting down because I'm a Volkswagen. I could be a Nissan or a Toyota. My wife looks at me, she said, you're probably more of a Lamborghini. Just kidding. But you know what? I can park myself in that garage every single day of my life and I can say that I'm something, but that does not make me 
what I say that I am just because I'm occupying that space. You see, what's happening in the church world, what has happened in the, in the last generation or so, is we have seen a separation of cultural Christianity. Since World War II, the United States has learned, uh, sounds like a Laodicean thing to me, we're rich, we're increased with goods, and we don't have need of anything anymore. So we have parted from cultural Christianity into a circumstance now that, that I think it's not an absolute, but most of the people that are still engaging in church, as we call it, and in kingdom purpose are people that are influenced because they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And cultural Christians have fled. So what do we do? What happens from here? Well, I told you about the wedding. I want, to, I want to speak to you about the weeds, and I don't have these scriptures prepared to bring up. But if you go over into Matthew chapter 13 and verse 25, there you will read a parable. Uh, and it's a parable that's known as the wheat and the tares. And as you read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 25 in particular, you'll find that while men slept, the enemy came in and sowed tares. Among the wheat. Now, tares has described in Scripture. I, do, I, I had to do a little digging. Tares describes a bearded darnel. Now, what's a bearded darnel? I don't know. I know what a I know what a bearded tailor is. That's me. It describes a bearded darnel. A darnel is a type of grass. It's actually a species of ryegrass. Any of y'all got Johnson grass in your yard? You get Johnson grass in your garden or old wire grass. Don't you just love that stuff? It takes over everything, don't it? Did you know it was there before it took over? You didn't know it was there, did you? Tares describes the bearded darnell. It's a species of rye grass. The seeds, the seeds have strong sporific poison. That means the poison that it has induces sleep. In other words, the seeds that tares produce will cause you to go to sleep. Now, I, I know this is probably not popular in Christian church, you know, and, and all like that. But, but, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a non-Christian home. And when I was, when I was a kid, it was every time or every year around Thanksgiving, the Wizard of Oz come on TV on Sunday night. Y'all remember that? Any of you? And you remember that how Dorothy on the Wizard of Oz goes out into this field of poppies and she goes out in that field of poppies and you remember what happened to her? She went to sleep because the poppies put her to sleep. You see, that's that's similar to what the tares are. The tares look like wheat and, and they appear to be wheat and it has the ability to put people to sleep. But what happened is, is it, it bears such close resemblance to the wheat, it's hard to discern which is which. And when the difference is discovered, it's too late to try to pull it up. It's too late to try to separate it. You ever had wire grass and wire grass grow in around your flowers and you think, I'm going to pull that wire grass up and the next thing you know, you got your prettiest mum pulled up with that big old clot of wire grass. 
You see, when, when the tares grow among the wheat, men slept, therefore the tares become, come among the wheat, and then the, the tares actually create more sleepiness, if you would. Let me tell you, the second coming of the Lord is referenced and illustrated more than 300 times in Scripture. Every generation that has existed since Jesus left us with that promise of, as surely as I go, I will come again, has anticipated the coming of the Lord. Numerous men and women have tried to predict the day and the date of His coming and to point everyone have failed and they will continue to fail. But in the meantime, what has happened is the church has went to sleep. Many have gone to sleep. And while men were asleep, and this just didn't happen last week. It didn't happen with the election last year. It didn't happen with with the, the boom in the economy over the last several years. When it happened is has we became used and comfortable to being walking and living and operating in the blessings of God, we became sleepy, we went to sleep but here's the fact of the matter the bridegroom is still coming and he still called us to have our lamps trimmed and not only trimmed but burning and burning full of oil because when he comes, he's coming quickly, he's coming with a, a sudden announcement and our lamps better be ready because He is the one that is coming to separate the tares and to garner the wheat. You see, Jesus is still coming in spite of what you see happening in the world. Jesus is coming for a church that has more than just a name. You remember, one got Ichabod wrote over the door. The glory of the Lord has departed here. It does not, it doesn't really concern Jesus that we got a big old blue and white voice of praise sign out front and lights shine on it at night and it lights up. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, impress Jesus and, and I'm not knocking them. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great that they can afford it and they have it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother Jesus that Princeton Church of God has that big digital sign and it can do wing dings and change. And it doesn't bother. He, he's not interested in those names. He's not interested in those labels. But what he's looking for is a church that is ready. He's looking for five of the bridesmaids that have not only got the dress on, that have not only in the same place, not only or even maybe went to sleep, but but he's looking for the ones that have oil in their lamp and they are ready and they prepared. You see, I find in the, in the scripture that, that the Bible says that the church is the salt or the preservative of the earth. But it says if the church has lost its saltiness, what good is it? Listen, the church still has a role in the church to, in the world today. The church is still full of the Holy Ghost and we will be until Jesus comes back and gets us and then that which is in us will go with us. And let me tell you, whether you realize it or not, and you may be in this room or you may be watching and you may be unsaved, but right now, we've been st- talking about angels in our life group over in the fellowship hall the last few weeks. And we're talking about how... how Guardian angels and protective angels encamp all around us, just like they did Elisha 
uh, over in 2 Kings chapter 6, I believe it is. But the reality of it is, right now, whether you realize it or not, you as you're part of the church, because the Holy Ghost is living in you, because the Holy Ghost is living in me, the restrainer is being held back, and this world would be total chaos right now if it wasn't for the church. The church, the church is the keeping power of the world through and by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your lamps filled with oil. Have your lamps ready for the hour is coming when the bridegroom is going to be announced. He's coming. He's coming. I see Him coming around the corner. I see Him coming out through the clouds of glory. Are you ready? Let's be ready when He calls to get on that road and walk hand in hand with our lamps burning to that wedding feast. Pastor, man, you don't know what I've been through lately. And that's, I I totally identify with that. That's true. You don't know what I've been through either. But that's okay. We're we're both going to make it. Pastor, I just don't seem to have the desire that I used to have anymore. And as much as I love you, I say this with all due respect. The only thing that's changed is you. God hasn't changed. His love for me has been unchangeable since the beginning. His word, His word for me has been unchangeable since the beginning. The only thing that changes in my life is me. So we have much to learn from a Jewish wedding and a bunch of weeds. There's so much we can learn from this because, let me tell you, I don't want my oil to run out. I don't want my lamp to be empty. I want to be ready when that announcement is made. Well, what about all the weeds though, preacher? What about, what about all the weeds? You know there are weeds in the church. You know there's weeds, you know there are weeds in the, in the local church. You know there are weeds in the kingdom of God. There's fakes and there's phonies and there's stuff like that. You know what? I, I, I have to take Jesus' word for it. He said just let them grow together. He said just let them grow together. He said when it comes time, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of dividing them. I'll separate. He said I'll, I'll burn, I'll burn the tares and I'll, uh, I'll garner the wheat. That's his job. For me to say that I can't, for me to say that I, I'm hindered in my Christian walk because there's other people not living like I think they should live would be like me saying, I, I can't go over to the gym, which I don't obviously, but it'd be like me saying, I can't go to the gym and work out because there's obese people at the gym. They're at the place they need to be. Probably doing better than me with it. Get your eyes off of other people. Don't let what you see of others hinder you. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep your lamp filled with oil. And be ready. Do I know when Jesus is coming back? Yep. In the day of the Lord and the hour that you think not. Could that be today? Good chance. You know, we used to preach, and this is a, uh, theolo- a theological terminology, I guess you would call it. We used to 
He used to teach and preach the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Going back to what I mentioned earlier as we get ready to go to altar service. I remember when I first got saved. I grew up, what little bit I got took to church when I was a kid was Episcopalian. I was first cousin to the Catholics, okay? John, you know where Austinville Assemblies of God is at? My aunt and uncle started... My, well, again, he's not legally what my uncle. My uncle, my, my uncle Ed, that had been courting my aunt for 52 years, would drive all the way from Austinsville to Whitfield, pick us up and take us to church at Austinsville Assembly of God every Sunday morning. And it's there I met Jesus. It's there I encountered His Holy Spirit working. And let me tell you when, when, and, and, uh, you know, being assembly of God, they weren't too strict like some other holiness churches. No, I'm just kidding. Preach sound off. But you know what? I, I lived, I lived in a, a bit of a fear, and I'm not suggesting that we should live in fear, but, but I, I was, I was introduced to the thinking that I needed to live my life every moment like I was expecting Jesus to come. And you know what? I don't, while I don't think we need to live in fear, I do think we need to revisit that awareness. That we live our life every single day like it's the day that Jesus is going to come. Because it could be. And I don't want to end on a low note. But even if, even if the rapture of the church, as we call it, the catching away, even if it doesn't take place today, every single one of us in this room, everyone watching, everyone listening, we're only one heartbeat away from eternity. A heartbeat. And if you're having palpitations, it's quicker than that. Only one heartbeat away from eternity. So be filled with oil. Don't worry about the weeds. Be ready for the wedding. And let the weeds take care of themselves. I'll ask you to stand with me if you will. This morning I, pre- I sincerely appreciate every single person that's gathered in this room. Every single person watching or listening. And I do believe, and I've heard it all my life, just like you, and I realize that. But there is something about the events that are unfolding in front of our very eyes. And it's it's an accelerated pace. It's continuing to gain momentum. I think we would be foolish to say... That the next big event on the calendar of calendar events of God, which is the second appearing of His Son, is close at hand. You and I may outlive it. I don't know, but we might not. But what's important is that our lamps be filled with oil. If you're in this room and and you're unsaved, or you're watching and you're unsaved. You have no oil in your lamp. In fact, you don't have a lamp yet. But you can have one today. 
you can receive the appointment of, of being one of those one of those bridesmaids waiting for his appearing. If you're in this room and, and you've been serving as a bridesmaid and you've been waiting a long time, you've been went through the you've been through this betrothal period a long time. You're waiting and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're you're slumbering like everybody else. But today the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart and you say, I need to get my lamp full of oil. Today's the day. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and I promise I won't pressure you. I'm not gonna come and get you. I'm not gonna drag you out nor Hopefully nobody else will either. But I want to ask you this question. If you're in this room today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, the free pardon of sin, if you do not know Him, today is a good day to make a stance, to make a decision. If you're in this room and and you're a Christian, but but you, you've been slumbering, you've been asleep, and the, there's oil is is evaporated from your from your lamp. You need to be refilled and renewed in your spirit. Today is that day. And I'm not going to ask you as we got heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm going to ask you to go beyond that. Has a, a reaction of faith has a reaction of, I need something. I'm going to ask you right now to just step out and come up here and meet me. And I want to tell you something. You're not doing anything that I've never had to do before. You're not doing anything that I probably won't have to, may, probably won't have to do sometime in the future. Because every single day of my life, I have to pursue God. I have to pursue after Him. I have to look for Him. I have to yearn for Him. I have to desire Him. If I don't, I'll run out of oil. Is there one person in this room today? One person at all. Now I'm going to ask everybody that can and will. I'm going to ask you to come up here and spread out just a little bit so we're not real close on each other. Uh, you know, in light of, in light of, you know what. But, uh, we're going to enter into a season of prayer and we're just going to believe God's just going to minister and work. Uh, and come on, come on up. Come on up. And let's begin to pray with one another, even at a distance. And just believe God's just going to minister in a special way in our midst today. Can you join me? Jesus. God, as I pray, Lord God, Lord, for John, I pray, 